Richards coming to us from the UK. Carl Richards, welcome to the podcast. Better decisions and not shame or blame anybody. So that's that's kind of how I think like you set up the rules before you start. Do you feel like there's any particular topic that's kind of a good place to start or something that's maybe less threatening? You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, and now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. All right, everyone. Welcome to Financial Clarity for Doctors. I'm Corey Janoff, joined by Rochelle Vanderzanden, as always. And today, we have a special guest. He has a knack for communicating complex financial topics in easy-to-understand terms. He's the author of two popular financial planning books, The Behavior Gap and The One-Page Financial Plan, He's written the Sketch Guy column for the New York Times for over a decade. He's been a keynote speaker at financial conferences in five continents. You can find a lot of his work at BehaviorGap.com. And now he's reached the pinnacle of his career by appearing on Financial Clarity for Doctors. Coming to us from the UK, Carl Richards. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, too. Super excited to be here and have this conversation. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on the show. I mean, I know that you're probably, there's a lot going on right now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, honored to be here. Thank you. Awesome. So I know, like, you started out as a financial advisor, like Corey and I, and obviously you're doing a lot more than that now. So I was just kind of curious, like, how did that come about? How did you become, like, this huge motivator and source of wisdom for people? Well, that's very, very nice of you. Thank you. Um, I, <laughs> so... I just started playing in traffic, right? Like I was, mm-hmm. I was sitting, in fact, it's applicable to your audience. I was sitting, I, when I was a financial advisor, I worked with a lot of physicians, primarily emergency room anesthesia and radiology, um, all for a specific reason, right? They typically don't have a lot of plant and equipment. Um, often they own their own businesses. So there were some really unique opportunities and challenges that they faced. And I remember I was sitting in a meeting with one of my favorite clients who was an emergency uh, an emergency doc and i was trying to explain something to him and his wife and she was a really successful technology sales rep and so these are two very smart people successful smart people and and the thing they needed to understand i was trying to explain i can't remember what it was but it was a, there was a concept that i needed to explain to them so that we could make a decision, a really important decision. And I remember I was like, gosh, and I thought I was really good at it. I was like, ah, trying to explain. I thought I was good at making complex things simple at the time. And, and it was really out of an act in that meeting. I remember it was an act of sort of desperation that I was like, there was a whiteboard behind me and I never, I had never used it. It was in the conference room in the, in the office that I used. And I, I was like, no, like this. And I jumped up and drew like a, 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 a square and circle and an arrow or something like it was super basic, but they were like, Oh, I get it now. And that moment was like, Oh, that's really interesting. So I just started doing that publicly. Right. And at first it was just my mom. I mean, they even asked, they said, Hey, can you, 
can you put that on a piece of paper so we can take it home so we can remember? And I was like, that is so weird. Like, it's not, I mean, I was embarrassed by it, right? Like, like my lack of the ability to draw and the handwriting and everything. And, um, so when I saw the paper leave the office, I thought to myself, like, gosh, that's really interesting. I mean, I didn't make any grand conclusion. I wouldn't have dared. I just thought that's really interesting. So I started, I started paying attention to people and I, I did that again and I did that again. And after three or four times, I was like, well, I wonder if I should just put this up online. I wonder if somebody else would want to read it. And this was in the late nineties, um, back when we had dial up modems and all that stuff. So my mom and my sister read it and I found out later my sister was lying. Like it was just my mom, but I just kept kind of doing that. And if you do that long enough, you get, if you play in traffic long enough, you get hit. Right. And, and so I just, just played in traffic long enough that one thing after another happened. And then, you know, the New York times thing happened. And then after the New York times a book and then another book. And then, and so it was just playing in traffic. Mm-hmm. Practice. Yeah. 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 Doing, doing work in public. Yes. Now today we really want to focus on how to, talk to your significant other about money, which mm. especially right now with a lot of people in quarantine can be a hot topic with all that's going on. People, you know, seeing hits to income jobs, et cetera. Um, but maybe just starting out, like when we're working with couples, oftentimes one individual is the, the primary driver of the financial or the finances in the household but you know it helps if both couples can be engaged what are some how do we encourage both people to to feel like they're involved and to participate yeah so i mean i think it's important to have a couple disclaimers one is i have not found any link to the this is not a gender discussion um correct i haven't even found any link to like you know, engineers typically like to talk about it and artists don't like, I, I know you could, could maybe make it. So I, I think it's just, if we understand, if we, if we start from the perspective that we all have money stories that we've been trained for years, most of us have been trained for years to not talk about it. You know, you tell your kids, like, we don't talk about, like, money, sex, politics, and religion. We don't talk about in polite company. If if you're, I mean, almost most people I can say, like, don't be spoiled. And they'll, they'll, they'll go back to, like, you know, seven years old. Or that's none of our business. And you can remember. So if we start from this perspective that, like, no one knows how to do it. So if you find yourself doing it and it's clumsy and it doesn't yield the results you'd hoped, welcome to the club. Like that, that's just like, that's just par. So if we start there, we sort of give ourselves permission to kind of relax and fail a little bit. Um, and then we understand number two, that we have to start doing it. Like if we can't talk about, and, and, and we've also got to realize this, when we here's here's the reason i think that so many people don't talk about it and it's so hard to talk about is we think it should be a spreadsheet and calculator discussion right we think it should be math and we go to touch it 
and it feels like like a, an electric fence that we didn't know was electric. Right? Like, wait, I, all I did was open the American Express bill. Why are we suddenly fighting? And if, if we can understand that the fence is electric, it's still not necessarily fun to touch, but it's way better to touch if you know that it's going to happen. So if we can understand that it's electric, I think there's, like, there's, a, there's a set of rules, I guess is what I'm pointing at, that you can prepare yourself for these discussions by just understanding, A, we're all clumsy. We don't know how to do it. B, this is not about spreadsheets and calculators. Like you, you may start there, but you're quickly going to get to don't be spoiled or my, my dad was always yelling about money or my mom was always nervous about this or my whatever. Like you're going to quickly get there, dreams, hopes, fears, worries. And if we understand those two things, and then my final rule is the no shame, no blame rule. Like you just have to kind of institute, we even had no shame, no blame hats made. That, that we put on, we're going to have a discussion about this, and they say no shame, no blame. Like, there's no purpose in the shame or blame. The goal here is to get better and make better decisions and not shame or blame anybody. So that's that's kind of how I think, like, you set up the rules before you start. Do you feel like there's any particular topic that's kind of a good place to start or something that's maybe less threatening? Does that exist when you're talking about money with your partner? Yeah, like if, if you had, I mean, again, maybe back, Corey, like your point that maybe sometimes there's one member of the partnership, one spouse that, that is more likely to talk about it. And and maybe there's even some frustration. I, I, I wrote a, a guide for the New York Times called How to Talk About Money with Your Spouse or Partner. And I got tons of emails. And a lot of the emails were from the spouse that wanted to talk about it, complaining about the spouse that didn't, right? Like, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. I think if you're in that, like where you're just trying to ease your way into it. I think um, you should just look for like one of my favorite discussions, favorite suggestions and that I've got a lot of gotten a lot of feedback about is just simply saying, what's your earliest memory, right? Like, so let's say you can't sit down and look at like the balance sheet or the income statement. Like that's just too volatile, which a lot of people are in that situation, especially right now, you just can't. And maybe you just want to establish a habit that it's a safe thing to talk about. And so the next time you're on a walk or the next time you're in, you're having a normal conversation about things, you can ask simple questions like, hey, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Like my, I remember the earliest recollection I have of money was, you can even blame it on me. You can say I read something that this silly guy Carl wrote that, talks about like, and the earliest memory I have about money is this. Do you have one? And then at the end of that, if this has been a touchy subject historically, at the end of that, just be done. Just go, oh, that's super interesting. Just be done. Like, whoa, we just did it. We just, there was a conversation about money without fighting. Right? That's, that's sort of one way to enter that discussion. Yeah, that's great. That was one of the questions we wanted to ask is, you know, how, what are some ways new couples can initiate that conversation? So that story, you know, tell us your first story about money is a good way to start. Um, you referenced that New York time piece. We'll put a link to that in, in our show notes. Um, and that no shame, no blame rule is fantastic. I think there was a couple other rules you had in there. Um, I think one of them was focus on what you control and the other is the timeout rule. Can you talk about those yeah. a little bit? Yeah, the timeout rule is super important. So I'm going to assume like for, for your listeners, like this is like a smart, educated group of people. They know what they're doing. 
um, but often still are unable to talk about money because because human right like that's just the way we've been we've been trained and so normally financial discussions happen by accident mm-hmm. and and it's like often it happens when you're like and it's just it's just the re it's just like the default like you're busy you're running around if you've got kids in the mix you know you get home kids are busy they got stuff going on i know things are times are a little different here but just sort of normally right busy 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 dinner oh geez dinner and then dishes and oh man did anybody take the laundry out like and like at 11 o'clock at night you know this is my wife and i's life for like 20 years it's finally started to settle down a little bit but like 11 o'clock at night you're like oh geez and you look down and there's a bill there and you're like hey we should talk about it and then so think of you've set yourself up for a something to go wrong right you're like you're tired you're probably a little grouchy like don't have this discussion when you're hangry right like if you're so that's one of the other things i like to set up is like pay attention to your energy levels if you feel defensive or you feel like this might be go well like don't do it right and so that's where the timeout rule comes from is um the rule is you've got to follow this rule it's a it's a global rule is that Either spouse, either partner, either party in this discussion has the ability to call timeout on themselves or the other party at any time, and it must be honored. So normally in these situations, this is learned from hard experience. It's my wife who's the reasonable, rational one, and she's the one that often has to call timeout on me. And so she would just, she just has, she would just be like, "Eh, that's it, you outside. And I was like, outside, she's like, go, lift something heavy, jump in a cold body of water, run up a hill, like go out. And I don't want to see you until you come back. And I was like, really? And we had to develop this rule where I literally would just have to like turn like a sad puppy dog and just walk out. Like I could, even though I wanted with every bit, I was like, you can't, I wanted to dive into the fight. I just learned like I had to. And then I've, now I've developed the second part of that rule, which is you can call it on yourself. And I, I now notice, I don't always get it, but I'm like 70% now, whereas I used to be like 0%. I can notice the feeling and be like, oh, I know what happens when I have that feeling, right? I must be tired. I must be, I must be, you know, hungry. I must be in not a, in the basement in terms of energy levels. Now is not a good, so I can say, you know what? I know this is a really important decision or conversation we need to have. I've had this conversation with a lot of people lately. They've said, gosh, it's crazy. We're doing all these things. And then like, and this was just among two buddies of mine who were both male. So this is not a gender thing, but they were both like, yeah. And then it seems like, like, like when we get into bed, it's like, Hey, we should talk. How, how do you think the kids are doing? <laughs> like, or, or what's going on with them? And you're like, I can't, I got nothing for you at this time of night. Like I can't have this conversation. So you can learn to say, but that doesn't go very well. So you can learn to say, I know this is really important, right? Would it be okay if we table this discussion until, and then you got to make room for it. My wife always said that she's like, yeah, yeah, that's really convenient that you say we want to table it, but then you never make time for it. So that's the last piece of this talking about money. I find it really productive to have a schedule, right? To say, you can even, if you get good at this, you could, you could honestly take all of the stuff you have to do with money, budgeting, everything bill paying you could compress it into 90 minutes a month if you were just like locked in 
right? Like, okay, we're going to go in, we're going to review the things, we're going to talk about the things, here's the goals. And then once a quarter, maybe you have to go a little deeper. But instead of making it this continual looping, untalked about anxiety, you could lock it in at 90 minutes. And then if it comes up and you're not feeling it, you can say, hey, would it be okay if we put this in that folder for our 90 minute discussion that's coming up next week? Mm -hmm. I love the idea of actually having a scheduled time to talk about it because when you were talking about let's table this and let's talk about it later, I thought the same thing that your wife did where it's like, oh, but it's not going to happen later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I think it's, I think that's important. Um, yeah, let's just, let me, let me tell you one more thing about that. I think having a place to do it is also kind of cool because there's a lot of emotional residue around this conversation. And I could tell you endless stories about uncovering emotional residue. Like, wait, I didn't know it was about that. Um, and I think I, my favorite way to think about where to do it is I'd, I'd find a cafe when we, again, like I'm just talking in normal times, right? I'd find a cafe. That's not your favorite. Like maybe even one that you wouldn't go to if it wasn't for this, right? It's like you're designated. So, right, because you don't want these, you don't want the emotional residue all over the family table, right? You, you don't necessarily want the, the house to be the place. Now, there's some really awesome financial discussions that are great, like spontaneous. Remember that discussion we had in our favorite place? Yeah, but for these, like, tactical ones i love just finding a place it may be at like the free uh the free conference room at the public library or maybe it's the office conference room or something but anyway i think it's helpful to have a place and a time and then you'll get to the point where you'll have a process too like these are the things on the agenda yeah make it part of the routine makes it easier that yeah. way and you yeah. mentioned you know you have endless stories and i've you know i've heard a number of your stories over the years but f you know a common theme is fights about money are rarely about the money um and you've told a great yeah. story about a friend of yours whose wife really wanted a new car but he uh, didn't want to buy the new car can you share that story for the listeners yeah so good so funny i just i just was telling somebody else that yesterday um so and there's so many of these that, that it's just, I, I, so this is a, a friend of mine who, you know, like it, it, he, his wife kept bringing up, um, kept bringing up needing a new car. And he was like, they couldn't afford it. I mean, they could, but they, they didn't, you know, like they didn't, he didn't really want to spend the money. Like they didn't want to spend the money, they, but they kept talking about it and, and it got a little exasperating. Like it was, it was getting to the point where there was like, these were like these, like it would be the trigger point to other fights about other stuff. And he was at his wit's end. Like it was like causing major marital problems. And one day he was like, he said, I wonder just like, so he pushed a little bit. Because his wife, he was like, look, she doesn't care. Like, there's no other thing like this in our relationship. We don't really have a big, fancy doctor house. We don't drive doctor cars, quote unquote. Right? Like, we, your audience may relate to that statement. So, the, 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 uh, sorry, maybe relate to the need to avoid the, you know, typical sort of trappings that we see, like, what is it, <laughs> ca the, the cage, the cage tiger effect out of residency. Right. So he's like, they don't have, we don't have all any of that stuff. I don't understand what the deal is. So one day she, he was like that. He said, I don't understand what the deal is. 
Like, why is it such a big deal? Why do you care so much about what you drive and what other people see you driving? And she was like, seriously? Like, you think that's what this is about? It's like, no, 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 no. My dad had, we always had really old cars in our family that would break down. And I remember the car broke down in front of the junior high school one day when my dad was dropping me off with all the kids, right? And all the stuff that goes on in junior high. I remember another time it broke down when we were out in the country on a remote little country road. It's like, I'm not saying new. I, sorry, the word I meant to use was reliable. Even now when I tell that story, I still feel the like, the, the switch that goes from like fight to empathy. Like, oh, seriously? I'm sorry. I, I didn't know that was what it was about. And I, 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 let me tell you one more quick one because this is another one of my favorite ones. This is a, this is the CEO of a major publicly traded company. They have a house in a vacation house in Hawaii. And the, 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 um, the CEO and I'm trying to figure out how to describe, how to do Let, Let's just, yeah, the CEO is, um, the CEO is really frustrated because his, 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 his spouse is complaining about wanting to build a second home, a second vacation home, wants a different vacation home, a different vacation home, a different vacation home. And he goes to his financial advisors like, look, we can't afford this. You, you financial advisor need to call them in and have this discussion, like why we can't afford this. So they're like, okay, well, let, why don't we all three get in a room and have this dialogue? And the financial advisor, like crazy idea, why don't you just ask? So the financial advisor is like, hey, can you tell us, like, tell me, like, we can't afford to have two vacation homes. Like you guys have a lot of money, but we can't, like that one in Hawaii is like crazy. We can't afford another one. And she was like, the, the wife was like, same sort of, an ad, like, seriously? You guys think that I don't know that we can't have two? Let me tell you something. The house in Hawaii, nobody in this family likes the house in Hawaii. You know why? Every single time we went there for the past five years, you've been stressed, grumpy, and yelled at us. We are trying, we're going to sell that house, and we're trying to create a new vision for our family that includes you in a different house right can you imagine like oh 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 okay like so yeah these discussions are never about money they're never yeah. about money they're about stuff stuff way way below the surface and i think there's a lot of miscommunication obviously that happens with partners and outside of that too but there are times also when people just fundamentally disagree about what they should yeah, yeah. do with their money. Like there's just real disagreement there. Um, I think a good example is maybe college savings. Like maybe one mm. partner really wants to put their kids through college and fund it all. And another one just, they want their kids to have to work for it. Like, do you have any way or have you found a successful way for those people to find common ground or to compromise? Yeah, it's funny you use that example. Like I, I just can't believe how many times that's happened. Like, and, and that, that, that disagreement gets discovered in your office. Like they didn't know before, like you've been married for 15 years and you haven't figured out that, that she wants to pay for 
X and he wants to pay for Y, like whatever the difference is. Um, yeah, I think it's just like any other disagreement. Like step one is acknowledging that it exists. Like, oh, okay, tell me more about that, right? Like rather than trying to be understood and right, go into those discussions with the soul. Like I, I, I love, it's hard to do, but I love practicing this. I think it's a ninja trick. Like I'm going to go in trying to understand and I have no intention of being understood. Like I'm just going to ask questions, listen, like really like, oh, wow, tell me more about that. Why is that important to you? Understanding first the perspective and then you can decide how to, it's basically any normal negotiation, right? You can decide how to compromise. Like, well, would that work or would this work or um how about the we have two how about the first one we try that and the second one we try this <laughs> like, i don't know that that's a good idea but i'm just like you can go through any normal sort of compromise but but i think the fights happen because there's no acknowledged understanding of the issue it's underneath the current it's never been spoken we always talk around money right we very rarely will go talk about it because every time we do we we have that electric shock experience so talk about it is the first step in dealing with those disagreements. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of talking about money right now with people quarantined with their families and you know, stresses around that, um, I'm sure there's, there's more and more money conversations coming up. What are some ideas and suggestions you have for those people? Yeah, you mean people who are, are are finding themselves in a really tough situation, or or just mean, just bringing the conversation up? Maybe um, I guess you know we kind yeah. of touched on already, but yeah, maybe some people who are finding things are a little tough. Incomes taking a hit, jobs maybe temporarily furloughed. You know, maybe some ideas for them how to broach the money subject without just yeah yeah it's, measures. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I, I I mean, I've had this conversation actually with a couple. Um, doctors lately who this is really surprising right like anesthesiology cut by 97% right I got one shift a month like yeah, you know doctors radiology and then they're just gonna yeah. get and all of this is over that's the other piece of it yeah and so I think I think there's a model here that's kind of smart to think about like it's just I like sometimes we have this vision that like financial planning and like even the planning, when I use that word, I'm using it really generally, even the planning, like you do yourself and you you think like, Oh, I'll build out a spreadsheet. I know how to do that. And you make these projections and you know, you pull out a calculator and you like, you, you think for some reason that that model, you have an expectation that that model is going to be a, an accurate representation of reality. And you, for some reason, I, I can't figure out why we do this still. I, for some reason, because it sounds ridiculous even as I'm saying it, but we do it. For some reason, we're surprised when reality doesn't match the model. And in this case, we're just getting a very stark reminder of that, right? Like it's always been true. We're just getting a really like, it's just like a giant spotlight on the fact that planning is guesses, right? And so the best way to, I know to think about this right now is just to go, okay, it's pretty simple you find yourself in a position where you're like, whoa, like some people listening, I would imagine there's definitely people that will hear this that are like, my whole world's been turned upside down. So the, the way you deal with that is much closer to like a, 
a pilot in turbulent weather, or I like to think of it as a mountain guide, right? When a storm comes in, the mountain guide's not locked into a specific, like getting to the summit. The guy's locked into, okay, what do we do next, right? So it starts, and this, this I think, I think it, based on my conversations I've had with critical care docs too, it's, you can get this in, like, we're going to, first thing we're going to do is assess the current situation. Can you just get out from under the sheets? And I, I, I say this, like, I mean it, like, I know how hard that is. Can you just get enough sense of control to go, okay, what's the situation? And I find it really helpful to put the shit, no shame, no blame hats squarely on. I, this conversation I had with the doctor last week was just full of crying and, and shame and blame. Like, wait, I, we're two doctor income, two doctor household. How did we get here? Right. Okay. That's fine. We're just going to separate right now. Like you from that reality. We're just going to try assess the current situation and then decide what the next step is. I like to think of it as the next micro action. What's the next smallest step? Do that thing, reset, right? So you just assess, take a step, reassess, assess, take a step, reassess. And, and all we have to do right now, and, and your cycle rate through that is largely driven by the volatility of your situation. So if you find yourself cycling through that every day right now, it's, it's probably reasonable. And, but you just keep doing that. And that's all you can do. Don't think seven steps ahead. Think next step. So that that's how I'm that's how I'm approaching it and how I'm seeing people approach it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm obviously the mother of a four year old girl because I kept thinking about Frozen just then. There's a song where she says the next <laughs> best thing. The next best thing yeah. is all that song is about. For but sure. Anyway. <laughs> um so we've talked a lot about how we deal with money in our personal relationships. But I think there's some really interesting things that go on in the workplace too. Like do you, and it seems like money and compensation and all of that is such a taboo topic in the workplace. It's also something that sometimes you're not allowed to talk about as far as your compensation goes. But do you think there are any ways of talking about that at work that might be socially acceptable to make pay more of a transparent topic? Do you think that's even a good idea? Yeah, it, it depends on what your goal is, right? Like, uh, to a large degree, like, I just, I'm like, uh, for a while, I was kind of really in, I mean, it depends on what your goal is. Like, if there's a, if there's a purpose, then I think you have to be thinking, anytime money comes up, especially in that setting, actually, in probably any settings, I would definitely be thinking about chess and not checkers, right? Like, like, like if you think checkers, you're just like, you're not thinking three or four steps ahead. You just have to really think through like, what would be the implications of this, this discussion and are they worth, so I'm continually thinking like, is it worth, is the risk reward ratio skewed? Now, some things like, uh, like we think about this in the writing. I think about this in the writing really carefully. Like I don't, there are certain subjects I avoid unless they're the point Right? Like, I'm not scared to talk about gender in any way, but I certainly don't want it to distract. So I would be very careful about, even in this conversation, I was like, darn, I didn't mean to use two examples where it was the wife saying I wanted the, the, the house and the car. I really, I try to be really careful about that because I don't want anybody to get confused. Like, that wasn't the point of the story in any way, right? So I think money's the same way where we think like, 
okay, if there's an inequality issue in our workplace that needs to be addressed, and I feel like that's my job to be addressing that thing, well, then address that thing, right? And, and we can play checkers at that point, right? But if, mm-hmm. if, if not, I have to realize, like, if I start playing that game, is it, the, is it some, like, what's the point even, right? Like, what's, what's even the point? And I think if you get really clear about that, that will drive how to talk about it. Because, um, yeah, I don't know. Talking about money in the workplace is tough. Absolutely. Yeah, and it does seem like there's a lot of inequality, but I also think there's a lot of disparities in how people perform their jobs. And I, it almost seems like if there were a little bit more transparency, then maybe people would understand where those pay disparities come from. But yeah, yeah. it's such a hard to approach even. Yeah, tough. Well, you're a busy guy, Carl. Thank you so much for making the time. Before we let you go, any other words of wisdom you'd like to add? Yeah, no, I mean, other than given the times, like, just realize we are, like, you're not alone in the sense that if you're nervous and worried about what all of this means, like, you're not alone. And I think the idea, I, I think one of the most useful things I found in the last couple of months has been just this, this reality that, like, I... There's this great book. It's Pema Chodron's, um, who's a Buddhist teacher. Her her book, um, When Things Fall Apart, has been amazing. And there's this section in the book. I listened to it as an audio book. And it's, you can only handle like a, each chapter is like 15 minutes. You can only handle like a chapter at a time because it's so brutal in terms of its, in terms of its, its impact. There's this one section where she says, we've tried a thousand times to tie up all the loose ends and yet the ground is still shifting beneath our feet. And I think that's been really helpful for me to understand. I actually have tried, I've got a thousand spreadsheets I can show you. Right. And yet, and I think once, if we can get to the point where we're like, and that's okay. Right. That's just, it actually uncertainty equals reality. We can let go of that myth that we can control all of this then we can settle back into like, what can we control? And I think that, that process of, ah, oh, what can I can control? Settle down, ah, like getting ourselves looped into that's gonna be really, really important. I mean, it has been really important over the last couple of weeks. Great stuff. And where can people find more of you if they want to see more of your work or follow you? Yeah, the single best thing to do is go to behaviorgap.com, spell the American way, I-O-R, not with a U, behaviorgap.com, and get my weekly letter. You can, I, we work, I work really, really hard. We send a weekly letter to 40,000 of my favorite friends and work really, really hard to keep it short. Like, we work hard to send you less. My goal is that it will take you two minutes to read, but will be kind of like, bothering you all week right like you'll be thinking about it all week so that's the best way is the behavior after we do letter awesome yeah thank you very much cool my pleasure thank you both that was amazing we would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover you can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following finity group on facebook twitter instagram linkedin and youtube at finity group llc you can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP. 
Instagram at Corey Janoff or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanen Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanen. Check out all of the podcast episodes on the affinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Affinity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at theaffinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Affinity Group, LLC.